I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome everyone to Inside Sources for a Monday. Great to be with you. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as always, we've got a lot of ground to cover in the fastest 60 minutes of radio. And our purpose is actually to slow the news down. Uh, to help you divide the rage from the reason, get down to the issues that really matter most in a way that can elevate the conversation and help the news make sense in your space. So we're going to do that today. We're obviously going to be talking a lot about Super Tuesday and what's going on there. Uh, Utah for the first time, front and center uh, in a Super Tuesday primary and a lot of activity over the weekend to break down. We'll do that. Uh, Talk about some important numbers here in this first segment. The number of the day is 40. There's actually three reasons why 40 matters, and uh, not just because it's an age that I passed well over a decade ago. Uh, There's some 40s that relate to this campaign for the Democratic nomination for the presidency, and we'll break that down as uh, we move through. Also, we'll have uh, Jason Perry, our good friend from the Hinckley Institute of Politics, will be joining us today. And special treat for you, 1135 today, Megan McArdle, syndicated columnist from the Washington Post, will be in studio. She's here in Utah. And uh, we'll have a chance to have a great conversation with one of the great writers of our day, someone you should be following uh, online to be sure. So let's dive right on into it today because there there is a lot of news to cover. Amy Klobuchar uh, wrapped up uh, her rally here in the state of Utah about an hour ago, and uh, we'll break that down. And, of course, everyone's uh, trying to figure out what the Bernie Bernie Sanders rally will look like at noon today. So, again, about 54 minutes from now, that will be breaking. So we'll keep tuned to that. Uh, and then we're going to look at the the ramifications of uh, what all this means and what comes next in the uh, primary, how that relates to everything going on in the rest of the country. Uh, and uh, obviously, we're, we're continuing to watch uh, the trends as it relates to the coronavirus uh, outbreaks uh, reported there. Again, about 80 uh, people inside the United States have contracted that and uh, not a big number Uh, to be sure. Uh, But it's one of those things where, again, we need to divide the rage from the reason. We need to make sure we're prepared to be sure, but we don't need to be panicked. Uh, And we can discuss why for sure. All right. So everyone is proclaiming tomorrow Super Tuesday, the superest of Tuesdays, according to many Democrats, as they hope to get some clarity in their race. Uh, We've been debating whether Tuesday is really that super at all. And actually, I want to go outside the uh, space of politics for a little bit. And I want you to do this on our uh, Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line. And I want you to text in what would make Tuesday super for you. And whether that's a political win or whether that's a personal win, uh, join in. I want to figure out what would really make Tuesday super tomorrow here in the state of Utah. So, again, you can do that on the Utah Community Credit Union text line, 57500. Again, 57500, only when it's safe. Uh, Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line. What would make Tuesday super for you? Uh, Let us know. We'll share those as we go throughout the show today. So let's take a a look and get a little breakdown of what's uh, been happening over the weekend 
Joe Biden, former vice president, had a huge win in the state of South Carolina. And I said going into the weekend, he needed to have at least a 15-point win in order to get any kind of bounce or momentum. Well, Joe Biden did that plus. He doubled up. He uh, had almost a 30-point win, over 150,000 vote advantage in the state of South Carolina. I think we're going to uh, call this the uh, the Clyburn effect. Uh, Representative Clyburn gave an endorsement late last week, and uh, his role in the uh, African-American community there in South Carolina really propelled Joe Biden uh, to victory there. Now, the interesting thing is, is can you parlay that? Can you get any momentum behind that in just three days? That's what the Biden campaign is trying to do. Uh, typical of any victory, the uh, campaign coffers were added to big fundraising over the weekend for Joe Biden. So that's important to him as he tries to, to march a few things forward. Uh, but here's the challenge uh, for Joe Biden. There's a lot of votes that have already been cast before South Carolina in places like California, Texas, Virginia, and so on, even here in the state of Utah. Uh, So there is a a very interesting debate to be had, in my view, around early voting. And uh, some people are suggesting ranked choice voting. That's uh, an interesting scenario, interesting complications that go with that, but worthy of discussion, especially in light of this kind of contest. Because I think you'll see a couple of things take place Uh, You have a a number of uh, folks who saw the Biden bounce, and a lot of those were people who were drifting towards Mayor Bloomberg. Uh, I continue to believe that uh, Mayor Bloomberg's support is quite thin, a little bit of grass top, because most of it's come through advertising and commercials and uh, online ads. So there's not a lot of deep connection there. But many people have felt that, uh, hey, he's uh, he's the alternative in the in the more moderate lane to Joe Biden. Uh, And so a lot of people were drifting that direction. So how many of those votes got cast? And then, of course, you have uh, Pete Buttigieg uh, bowing out Sunday night. Again, how many votes uh, were cast there? Uh, So really interesting things. Uh, Now, as we get into what will be Super Tuesday tomorrow, the the question then becomes, what are the candidates doing and what are they saying uh, that can really propel anything forward? And again, the numbers are are 40. Uh, So in California, 40 percent of the expected vote has already been cast. My guess is that a good chunk of those are people who supported Mayor Pete Buttigieg. And so those votes uh, go to the side. Uh, Nobody really picks those up. And so that, again, becomes problematic for people like Joe Biden and even for Mayor Bloomberg, for that matter. And uh, so that's an interesting 40. Going to come back to Mayor Pete in just a second. Uh, but the other interesting 40, and I think this is the probably the most important number to watch uh, as we go forward. So people who are uh, supporting Bernie Sanders, they want him to lock up the nomination before they get to Milwaukee and the Democratic National Convention. In order for Bernie Sanders to do that, the magic number is 1,991, uh, which is a long, long way from where he is today. But he clearly has the advantage But he is going to need to win at a rate of about – he's going to have to get about 40 percent. He's going to have to keep winning delegates at a rate of about 40 percent in each of these contests. Uh, And I question whether that's going to be possible. The test in places like California will be can anyone make the threshold? Remember, you uh, in the Democratic primary, you have to at least get to 15 percent in order to get any delegates, uh, either statewide or at uh, at the district level. 
Uh, and so 40 is kind of the magic number for Bernie. If he can win at a rate above 40, he could lock it up before convention. Otherwise, uh, it's going to be a very entertaining summer in Milwaukee and a lot of challenges for the Democrats. So we'll we'll continue to watch that. I do want to play just a, a clip. Uh, I know we've shared this on uh, other programs already today, uh, but I love a great political speech. And I think uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg knocked it out of the park. It's amazing to me how often the exit speech is often the best speech. Uh, I think Mitt Romney, best speech he ever gave was his concession speech. Uh, Hillary Clinton, by far the best speech she ever gave was her concession speech the day after uh, in 2016. So let's take a, a little listen to what Mayor Pete had to say. I think this could apply to anyone from the most liberal left Democrat to the most uh, far right Republican. Uh, take a listen to Mayor Pete. What if we could be the ones to deliver the day when our teachers are honored a little more like soldiers and paid a little more like doctors? What if we were the ones who rallied this nation to see to it that climate would be no barrier to our children's opportunities in life? The chance to do that is in our hands. That is the hope in our hearts. That is the fire in our bellies. That is the future we believe in. A country that really does empower every American to thrive and a future where everyone belongs. Thank you for sharing that vision. Thank you for helping us spread that hope. There you go. That's uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg uh, rounding out his campaign last night uh, back in South Bend, Indiana. Very uh, raucous crowd there. Uh, but to me, that was that was an extraordinary speech, invited people to come along, had great oratory. Uh, and this is why Pete Buttigieg will continue to be a force uh, in the Democratic Party, I think in the country uh, over the decades to come. And uh, as we noted earlier, uh, he could sit out for the next 10 election cycles, uh, 40 years and run again for president. And he would be the same age as Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden and uh, President Trump. So uh, very interesting uh, numbers there from from Pete Buttigieg. Uh, we did have Amy Klobuchar uh, in town this morning, and uh, the senator <laughs> sounded very tired. Uh, it was a uh, smaller crowd there, an earnest crowd, to be sure. Uh, most of those, I think, were people already on the uh, Senator Klobuchar bandwagon. Uh, so it was, a, it was a good thing. But the, the message was not energetic. It was not a bouncy, uh, let's keep uh, fighting and pushing forward um, it was a little more anecdotal, a little more Midwest cool, uh, and I don't think it's going to be enough to help her capitalize on Mayor Pete getting out of the race. But we'll continue to break that down as well. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside because when we come back, we'll be joined by Jason Perry from the Hinckley Institute of Politics. We'll continue to break things down right here on KSL News Radio. Money. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you today, and we're going to continue to roll along our uh, political analysis and joined by our good friend and head of the Hinckley Institute of Politics at the University of Utah, Jason Perry. Jason, how are you today? I'm doing well, Boyd. Good to be with you. <laughs> All right. Hey, we've been, we've been asking our texters, we're, we, we've been debating whether there really is such a thing as a Super Tuesday uh, so what would make your Tuesday super? That's the first question. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be thrilled when it's over. Can I tell you what? Uh, watching the changes going forward, the different candidates, the different math scenarios, it's just been enough to make someone kind of tired. I'm just thrilled that Utah is part of it. And my hope is at the end of this thing, Utah and say, 
We're thrilled that we were so relevant, and we're going to stay relevant from now on. Oh, I, I think that's an important message, really important message, that uh, Utah did uh, really have a, a role to play. It'll be interesting to see how Utah plays out. We'll, we'll break that down in just a second. Uh, one of the things that I really wanted to get your take on today, Jason, uh, is this uh, this idea and this how we deal with the complexity of early voting, vote by mail, uh, we, we've seen it, you know, Mayor Pete Buttigieg had over 4,500 people, raucous crowd here in Salt Lake City. Uh, my guess is most of those people cast early ballots uh, and now he's bowed out. And uh, so those votes don't really go anywhere. Uh, what's your take uh, looking at that politically? Uh, is, is there a way to, to manage around that? How do we factor that in? Well, so I don't really see a great way to manage around it. I'm a big advocate for these mail-in ballots. I think it's increased participation and making it easier, you know, and making sure people are informed as they do it. I I love what has happened there. But that means you're going to uh, get some of these scenarios where some of these candidates are going to drop off. So I'm I'm really not not seeing a way to go back and say we're going to start kind of reining that in. It's really not really a great way to do that. But um, there are ways for us to kind of see what that what what it means, because a lot of people were supporting Buttigieg. And so really, for people like you and I who are watching this closely, it's where do those votes go? Because they're not going to be counted, but can we get a true flavor for where Utahns are now, particularly those who voted for candidates that are no longer on the ballot? Yeah. And, and, and let's uh, double down on that a little bit, looking at uh, the ramifications coming out of South Carolina. Uh, you know, the former vice president, Joe Biden, had a huge night there, uh, ran away with it, over 150,000 vote victory there, scored a lot of delegates back in the race that way. Uh, how does this hurt him in terms of we always talk about, you know, can you parlay some momentum? Uh, and now he's faced with some of the Bloomberg folks, which were probably ori- originally Biden supporters, uh, may have already cast their vote. And uh, some of those Buttigieg voters may have drifted over to the former vice president. How do you factor that in on a national scale? Well, it, it's hard is the answer. Uh, you know, for, for Biden, that was just such a huge boost for him in South Carolina. I mean, uh, nearly 50 percent of the vote. I think that that's what he had to have. Uh, and um, to, to even stay in, in the running, because he's really not, in terms of the polling, ahead in, in most of the other states going forward. So that's the real question for him right now. I, I think that uh, for, for him in particular, uh, Biden is now getting the more, the, the more racially diverse areas, the older, the more moderate wing of the party. I think that's where he's starting to pick up those votes. And uh, I think that's going to end up being his sweet spot. And it ends up being a little bit of, of sort of the more moderate Democrats versus the more liberal Democrats. And even though we're not going to get a true flavor because um, I think he's going to pick up some of these Buttigieg votes, I think he's going to do much better than what many were thinking. Oh, very interesting. I, I, I think watching this as it continues to roll forward, of course, the race is to 1,991. Uh, before you get to Milwaukee, you think anyone? Do you think Bernie Sanders? Obviously, he has the lead and some momentum. Uh, do you think he's able to to get to that 1991 figure, or are we looking at uh, all kinds of chaos in Milwaukee in the summer? Yeah, so I predict the chaos scenario more <laughs> than the easy path to victory. Uh, as as we get more of these candidates sort of bowing out, you know, I, I can't wait to see what happens with Klobuchar next or Elizabeth Warren after what happens tomorrow. I think the whole chessboard is going to reset after tomorrow night. Mm. And um, as we look forward to something like Milwaukee, if anyone gets to that magic number, I think 
a couple of candidates, I, I predict we see more drop off soon. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to, to ask you about uh, I've been thinking about this uh, all morning uh, that I think if you had to really encapsulate what we've seen thus far in the campaign, starting from last year when people first started to announce to me, it seems like the uh, the overriding theme is momentum missed. Uh, you know, you had people like Kamala Harris have great debate performances early on, raised a little cash, never really parlayed it into, into anything. Uh, even a, a Tulsi Gabbard had some magical moments on stage, never really able to, to get it going forward. Similar to Amy Klobuchar, some nice moments, uh, but no momentum out of it. Even Mayor Pete, again, great coming out of, of Iowa. Fundraising went up, but never really to parlay that into any kind of real sustainable momentum it why is that why are there so many misses where people seem to have a chance to really go and it just didn't happen yeah it, it, it's exactly the right point because they did have a few moments even until recently there's still people on, on footage as a thought wait what are you doing you know it's time to stick it out a little longer because he had his own section of supporters but but no one right now has really solidified their position as the heart of the democratic party going into um, this next election. And I, I think that's part of the reason is they're just so divided and the range of options is so significant. There's, there's just, there's not a lot of these people who say, wow, they are just so similar. I don't know who I would vote for. They, they're really just, they're just drawing people into their own camps. And even as some of them drop out, you say, well, who, who do I go to now? I think that's part of the reason why you're not seeing it. There's just no one theme, no one message that is coming out of any of these candidates that is really just capturing everyone. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you bringing that up. And it actually uh, ties into something I wanted to ask you about in addition. And that is obviously Jack Welch, a uh, titan of industry, uh, passed away. Uh, and his legacy really was around that kind of leadership and capturing the imagination. I want to play a quick uh, soundbite uh, from Jack Welch on leadership uh, and then see if you can apply it to some of these uh, candidates running for president. What's in it for them to get there? Is the, what is the role of a leader? Well, the first one clearly is to be the chief meeting officer, to let everyone in the place know where you're going, why you're going there, and most importantly, What's in it for them to get there with you? All right. So that's, uh, again, Jack Welch. So so what is it about this chief meaning officer that candidates could learn from? Well, so he was such a great leader. And I've heard you know similar quotes from him in the past. Uh, th- this was his hallmark, as I remember reading books and, and leadership kind of quotes from him. And it was this. It was, it was strategy. It was execution. But above all, it was people. That was really his strategy, because if, if you don't have the right people, it really didn't matter, uh, is what I remember him talking about time and time again. The people lead to the execution. And I think that's a little bit what these candidates can have to do. It's a brilliant point on your part, Boyd, too, is as, uh, as they start thinking about that strategy, they got to remember where are the people, how to lead the people to the right place, you know, how to set a strategy, sort of put this high-level goal out there and to put the right people in place and, and show them that you're the person that can get them there. That's what whatever this candidate comes out of here is the one that's going to be more Jack Welch in terms of strategy than anyone else. Yeah, that's uh, that's great insight there, Jason Perry. And uh, yeah, I, I really I really think that's the test, especially for a mayor Bloomberg, who I think his support is just razor thin uh, because it's been all advertising. It hasn't been, hey, I need you be part of this. Uh, we used to always say that, uh, you know, culture eats uh, eats talent for breakfast and, and strategy for dessert. Uh, and I think we're kind of seeing that in this uh, political race. Uh, Jason Perry.
Perry, thanks for joining us today on Inside Sources. Look forward to having you on special coverage tonight uh, right here on KSL News Radio. Always appreciate your uh, insight, Jason. Thank you, Boyd. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside. When we come back, a uh, real treat for us today. Megan McArdle, syndicated columnist from The Washington Post, is in town and will be in studio right here on KSL News Radio.